What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knock a Few Buck, Daily Thunder, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Drive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y S E dot com. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by our friend Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you feel the heat. Now, let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, first off, Kenneth, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, man, I can't complain. Uh, Heat won two games over the past weekend in back to back sets. Uh, you know, there was a couple of bumbles early last week, but. They're doing all right, so I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing all right, too. To recap the week, the Heat went 3-1 and one on the week. We had a loss to the Bulls to start the week, and then three straight wins against the Spurs, Cavs, and Hornets. Kenneth, what was your main takeaway for the week? Um, The Heat will heat, but also... It's almost contrasting views, and, and I guess it's perfect that it occurred in the same week. If you look back to the um, Bulls game from last Monday, which, of course, the first one occurred last week, technically, so we covered it on the last podcast. However, being that the second Bulls game was actually on the day of recording, which would be last Monday, we couldn't cover that because it hadn't happened yet. But if you look at that game um, and how the Heat, played down to the Bulls, allowed them to hang around, and eventually lost the game, it's a direct contrast to what they were able to get done on Saturday and Sunday. Um, they were the better teams in those matchups. Yeah, the Cavaliers are ranked like 13th in the Eastern Conference, so they were, of course, exposed to beat them the way that they did almost by 20 points in the end. And though Charlotte's a little bit better upward-trending team in the last couple of weeks, um, and a team that's beat Miami in the two previous matchups this season, they're still a better team than Charlotte, and they showed that. Um, so my biggest takeaway is that it appears that the Miami Heat may be finding – you know, finding that zone or hitting that stride because for the first time all season, I can say that in back-to-back games or for a sustained amount of time, 
they handled their business. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They were the better team. They came out, they exerted their wills. And at the end of the game, you could tell who the more dominant team was based on the score. I agree with those points. And I also want to add that, you know, I don't, I don't know if we mentioned this last week, but I was really nervous about that back-to-back -back set, particularly against Charlotte, because as we all know, Charlotte had beat us two times. Absolutely. And they can fill it up. And any team that can explode like that offensively, you can always lose, especially in this league. And we also projected accurately, at least, that Lomelo Ball will be back by that game. And Absolutely. Malik Monk, too. Gordon Hayward was not back. But was those it, two guys... But on the Melo and Malik Monk, I mean, as we kind of like hit it, hit it towards last week, uh, there was no shock. I almost knew it. I, I, I counted on it. Yeah, I, 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 I saw it too. But you know, it was a really encouraging win la last night, which we're recording right now on May the third, on a Monday, and you know. A lot of people were really excited. They thought that that was some people I, I saw that they said that that was the best heat win of the season. I can't say if that was the best win of the season. It felt really good to beat that team. It felt like a full team effort. Like Jimmy didn't play in the didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. I believe he. I don't. I don't. I don't remember seeing him. I think that makes two full quarters in a row. Imagine that. Yeah, that's huge for him. He he him having to rest the fourth quarter. Which is usually, you know, the quarter which, if it's a close game, the both teams start going really hard at each other. And that's when a lot of energy is, is exerted. So the fact that Jimmy Butler could rest for those past two games in the fourth quarter. And the fact that Bam Adebayo helped, you know, hold down the fort. And by the way, Dwayne Detman, what a week that guy had. <laughs> He's been an absolute... Not just a week, JJ. I mean, since he's gotten here, man, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, not only has Dwayne Dedman been one of the best players on the Miami Heat, but if you look at the numbers per minute or relative to how many minutes he plays, last time I checked, which was a few games ago, it was right at 13.3 minutes per game. Um, and it may have gone up a tick or down a tick since then, just based on how the numbers have fallen or whatever. And we could take a look to be more specific a little later, but just based on the production per minute and the limited amount of minutes he has, um, he's one of the most productive players in the league across his eight games or so that he's played with Miami. Yeah, he has been absolutely phenomenal. However, I will I will signal caution. Some people, I saw some people advocating for more minutes for him. I think that the amount of minutes that he plays right now is the perfect amount. It gives Bam the, uh, some good rest and it allows Detman to go, to go full speed because He plays really hard, and inevitably, he, you know, I think it was the game against, I think it was against the Spurs or, or the Cavs, I don't remember, but he had to ask out of the game because he was absolutely gassed after being, after going hard for his, his playing time. And that's what we like to see. And, you know, that's what we were asking for all season, a capable backup big man that could give, that could be at least a positive on both ends of the floor whenever Bam sat down because Precious was not that guy and Bielitsa proved not to be not to not be that guy he he's got some minutes this week but he hasn't been a consistent part of the rotation and Precious by now is probably out of the rotation completely well yeah Precious needs more time man and, and that's something that we watched develop throughout the season he needed all of those uh you know I guess tiered build-ups, whether that be summer league, playing against other guys 
in his similar situation or, you know, second year guys trying to make the league and then the preseason where you play against guys who don't necessarily be on the team, but you still get that run against pros and then building up to the regular season. He had none of that, which is no excuse. However, it just is what it is. That's what you're looking at. You're watching him get his first real dose or you've watched him get his first real doses of professional basketball against professional basketball players in the regular season, which essentially is being baptized by fire. And, you know, though you have some people that succeed and grow that way, um, Precious has shown us some good things. But um, in the sense of is he ready or is he able to be the guy we need to accomplish the things that we look capable at, at our peaks and want to accomplish this season? No, he's not that yet. Um, to go back to Deadman for a minute, and as you mentioned with the minutes, Though I tend to agree with you on the minutes he plays and that he can come in and give you everything he has in those limited minutes, I would like to see him get up to maybe between 15 and 18 minutes a game because if you look back at the Bulls game, and a lot of teams have done this to Miami this season, they'll try to bludgeon us in the middle. Like basically they'll try to get their big man involved and get easy baskets. And even if that doesn't happen all game long and I can use – the last Memphis contest or the second to last Memphis. It's, it's, it's been a recent game where we played Memphis. I can use that as an example. Yeah, it was um, the last game against Memphis. Right. They started out the game just purposely and directly feeding Jonas Valanciunas. And he ate the whole first period. And what that allowed them to do was to play off of that because even if he wasn't as effective or even if they didn't go to that a ton for the rest of the game, the fact that he had killed us so much in the first period, it was always in our mind. So you couldn't not cover it or couldn't not shift help that way, which inevitably, you know, gave everybody else more space or open opportunities. And I'd also say that was the game that Dylan Brooks proceeded to go nuts in the third yeah. quarter from three, right? I mean, that has an effect on that. Like he hit some tough shots, but you know, there were shots where he had space and he had space, you know, partly at least because we had to make sure that somebody was down there covering JV. Um, yeah, it's and a domino you, effect. Absolutely. And even if you look deeper than that, it happened a little bit the same with Aiton in the Phoenix game from the road trip that we just came off where we lost to Phoenix, Denver, and uh, Minnesota. But, oh, man. Um, yeah, I know. I didn't want to remind you. Notice the little si- the sound effect grunt there. It's kind of preparing you for that. That's but, the worst loss of the season by far. Man, right? let's not talk about it anymore. Let's not even talk about it. Because, I mean, if you want to talk about Cleveland's record, we don't even want to talk about Minnesota's record. Um, right. You know what I mean? Minnesota's going to hang a banner in their gym that just says, we tried. But, basically... <laughs> If you look at the Phoenix game, man, Aiden was able to set the tone in the same way. He didn't kill us in the paint in that he didn't put up 40 points and 20 rebounds, but the points and the rebounds he got when he got them and how he got them were effective in the point that they made us pay enough attention to that to open up so much space for everybody else. And you could see it. Yeah, and also the Bulls have the personnel to do that. They have Thaddeus Young, Daniel Thais, and Nikola Vucevic, Hall of Famer, Heat, Hall of Famer, Heat killer. Here's the killer. Here's the kicker, though. Not to interrupt you. It's the Laurie Markkinen that brings it together. He's a big man with the three-man skill set, so you can pop him out there as sort of your three, and you have a three, four, five of Laurie Markkinen, Daniel Tice, and Nick Vucevic. And as I, as we were talking about, as we were talking in our pre-recording session I mentioned that the fourth quarter was really hurtful to watch but Markkinen was one of those reasons he was 
constantly open, and the ball, the Bulls were moving the ball. Uh, you know, Kobe White made some shots too, but Markin, I remember Markin made one three pointer that basically, you know, put the game not out of reach, but it felt really hard to come back from that point on. It was with a, I think it was with a minute ten to go, I believe. That's what, that's the effect that those, you know, that game plan has. But exactly, that goes back to exactly what we were talking about with Valentunas and Aiden, though. The reason that, you know, well, marketing can shoot, and he'll likely shoot that shot with somebody on him, but he feels like, you know, uh, what's the word I want to use here? Um, I mean, just exponentially more comfortable when he has the space that he had because it wasn't. And if you look at Daniel Tice's final scoring line, you could see that he was doing damage. So when you have him and Bucevic doing damage that they were doing, uh, marketing is going to be open and sidebar not to get too far off of it but he's unless they're going to play that big man lineup a lot for the rest of the season and though the rest of the season is only like a week or so at this point nine ten games maybe um if that um marketing seems to be on the back end of that rotation if he were to ever um let's what's the word be let go in Chicago that's a guy that I think we should look at because if he can play the three man beside Tyson Vucevic he could be the four to Bam's five or however you want to view it but that would be that would be pretty cool however I think I think he's actually a free agent this summer I I, and and that's what I was thinking too but even with I don't think that the Bulls picked up his option um or if we're at that point with him or not all I know is they're going to allow him to probably test whatever the situation is yeah, I, I I read a report a couple couple some time ago that it was more probable that they were not gonna bring him back because they've been you know he showed a lot of promise in his rookie year. I remember when when he came over and people really thought that this guy is gonna be a not necessarily like Dirk, but he's gonna be a Dirk Nowitzki type. But I don't know if it was the Jim Boylan hire that you know a lot of. You know, some I've seen a lot of Bulls fans complain that what he did was basically malpractice with Wendell Carter Jr. and Laurie Markkinen, basically taking away all their confidence. But that's if he can come over a reasonable price, that would be something I would look at. As you mentioned, he could be the front court partner alongside Bam and space the floor. And Bam, you know, as he as he keeps developing his his offensive skills. His finishing ability is already, I believe, at an elite level. That could really help out. However, there will probably be some competition for him this off this off season. Now, talking about the actual Heat Bulls game, this game, I think, in the fourth quarter, it showcased. And yeah, mostly when when Duncan Robinson exited the game with, I believe, he was throwing up. He was all right after, in the he. He played the rest of the week, but he was throwing up that game. He didn't feel that well. I think his absence, it, it really showed us how much he's, he means to this team. Because when they inserted Struess in, who, by the way, had a great run as Bucky in the in the fucking and the Winter Soldier. All the jokes aside. That's the, funny. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the off-the-ball movement was not nearly the same. And the attention that the defense was devoting to him was not nearly the same as they do to Duncan Robinson. And I think, you know, the Heat, listen, they're probably, I'm on the on the side that the Heat should just throw whatever Duncan wants, just throw the bag at him. Because he 
is integral to their to our success. His shooting, he's in, he's right now one of the best shooters in the league. He fits perfectly into our system, our offensive system. And as we saw, you know the the offense, and then I, I found really curious that you know I saw I know it was for more defensive purposes, but Spo subbed out Max Drews and inserted Gabe Vincent, who we know this season at least he has not contributed. He has been a negative on the offensive end, and I believe I won't say it backfired, but it made our offense much more stagnant than it already was. What you have to say about that, Kenneth? Um, several takes there, man. They kind of go back to the beginning. Um, on your Duncan thing, yes, been saying that all year long. Even when he was slumping before um, the trade deadline or whatever, and you had everybody um, from wherever you wanted to look, pundits, uh, Twitter, whatever, whatever, um, you know, wanting to comment on how bad he was or how you know how much of a fluke his shooting had been. Um, you had to realize, man. The guy was shooting insanely last year. I think over 44%, almost 45%. But here's a kicker, man. He was still shooting 39% for most of this season. And I would tell people exactly what you hit on in your last um, little spew there. It's like, even if he isn't hitting shots, you have to think about what they call gravity in the NBA. And in the NBA, what gravity means is exactly what gravity means in real life. The force the natural force that the earth has on things is gravity in real life. Well, in basketball, specifically for the Miami Heat, gravity is the natural force that Duncan has on things. Um, the guy's such a great shooter. Whenever he moves, whenever he gets in a position to take an open shot, the entire defense has to react. Um, and to kind of do the comparison with Duncan Robinson and Max Struess, again, I always shudder to do these comparisons because I'm not calling either of these players either of the players I'm going to mention, just for the sake of the differences in how they get it done. Duncan is more Reggie Miller. Max Struess is more Ray Allen. They're both great shooters. However, Ray Allen does run off the picks and off the screens and do the movement as Max does. However, when he catches it, he might want to give you a move or something. He might want to give you a quick, subtle stare before he does what he does. Ray Allen's coming off the pick. I mean, Reggie Miller's coming off the pick and he's letting it go. He's not hesitating. He's not going to give you a move. He's not going to look. He's going to catch and let it go. And that's the difference between Max Struess and Duncan. Duncan is going to come off the pick and let it go. Max is going to come off and digest the situation further before he makes the move. And that little subtle hitch or that subtle second is the difference in their game that makes the defenses react different to them, even though they both can be expert-tier shooters at their peak. I will say that Max Strews, at least something that I have noticed with, you know, it's the eye test. I don't know if the numbers back this up. I've seen him be more willing to drive to the basket in his limited amount of minutes that he's had this season. He's been willing to drive to the basket more often than Duncan does. Duncan, there are games where he doesn't have a two-point attempt. And I think, you know, back, going back to the Reggie Miller and Duncan Robinson comparisons, right? Disclaimer, as Kenneth has, but let's re reiterate this. We are not saying that Duncan Robinson is the player that Reggie Miller was. However, in their playing, stars, playing styles, as, as Kenneth said, they're pretty, they're pretty similar. And I believe Duncan Robinson's lightning quick release also just 
he doesn't need to to, to do a move because his release is so quick that the defense, you know, it's very hard to block a shot like that, and it's also very hard to just contest. So it's and the fact that you know, I remember there was a, I was a shot in, in a game. I I remember. I don't know if it was this week. But it, it was. It, it was. You about to bring up the very moment I'm about to bring up. That's the only reason I cut you off because I know exactly what you're about to say. Go ahead. Well, I'm gonna mention, and you're gonna you can expand on it. I I remember the game specifically. I just remembered that it was a ridiculous. It was ridiculous because anybody that has played basketball even at a pickup level knows just how hard it is. The guy barely. You're talking right. You're talking right wing. Somebody was driving the paint. Duncan caught it, and on the backswing of the catch, in the absorption of the catch, you know, when your wrist moves back from catching something, yeah, that was also his backswing on his release for his shot. One motion. I already knew what you were talking about. Freaking ridiculous. I've never seen it done, and I don't know if anybody else can do it. It's, it's absurd. How do you defend that? Because you, you can't. You can't. You can't. You, you don't have enough time to react to the pass and to the shot at the same time. Because if you can get there quick enough, you can't get there quick enough with enough control to contest without giving up something bad. Exactly. Or you either foul. Because if you if you close exactly. up too hard, you're gonna foul him. That's the bad. You know, I mean you can get there to contest, but because he's letting it go so fast and you know that, you're gonna just be going balls to the wall. And at that point, you know, unless you're Fled Finstone and can stop the car with your feet. You're not going to stop. I mean, plain and simple. You're going to run through them. You're going to get an elbow. Or you're not going to get there fast enough because you're thinking about that. And either way, that's a win for the Heat and Duncan because it's either going to be splashed or he's going to the line. And, you know, other than the free throw that he missed yesterday, er, fresh aggression, um, he usually makes all of his free throws. You know what I mean? Well, he missed two. I think he missed He missed two out of three. See, they, they, there you go. There you go, JJ. Why you got to bring up bad stuff, man? <laughs> Can we just live in the good stuff right now? Well, we're talk, let's talk about some more good stuff for for the Heat. You know, even though they lost this game, hot stuff for the Heat-Bulls game. 25 free throw attempts for the, for the Heat. That's pretty good. Only five turnovers. I remember when the Heat were struggling mightily. They were the worst team in the league in terms of turnovers, and they have improved. A lot. Absolutely. Very encouraging. They only had five turnovers in the Heat-Bulls game and 13 steals. Any other positive for the Heat-Bulls game, Kenneth, before we move on to the cold stuff? Which there's plenty to talk about in that department. Um, Any more positives? From the second Bulls game? (laughs) I I don't think so. Jimmy going berserk in the scoring department. He was, I mean... Well, in the first three quarters, because in the fourth quarter, I believe he only had two or four points, right? which right. But contributed do, to our demise. Do we want Jimmy going berserk from the scoring department against the Bulls? No. That's right. He shouldn't have to. So I don't even know if that's – I mean, no, it's encouraging to see him get it going, of course, always. Um, but – I don't know if I want to see him have to go nuts against the Bulls. So, I mean, I hate to be that guy stickler, you know what I mean? But I don't know, man. That's that's tough. That's tough. It's like I don't want Jimmy to have to score 60 against the Timberwolves. Oh, flashback. But, you know what I mean? It, You know, it is what it is. Like I said, it's, it's encouraging to see him get it going, man. But I don't want him to have to do that against those teams. Usually, you know, whenever we play really well, Jimmy doesn't have to score 30-plus points. 
That's been a theme throughout his entire tenure here in Miami. Unless you're in the final, you mean the finals, right? Because well, right, well, you know, unless he's going ham on LeBron and them. But to hit on your point, that's exactly what I was saying. At their best, when they're operating at their, you know what I mean, at their most efficient, at their best, at the level where we're like, yo, this team right here, this is the team that, you know, three other teams couldn't beat in a seven-game series. This one, Jimmy has 18 points, 9 to 12 rebounds, and 9 to 13 assists. You know what I mean? That's when the Heat are operating at their peak. So whenever he's scoring like that, it's because nobody else is going. And oftentimes, yes, Jimmy can carry you as he did in the finals, which you so elegantly hit on, which is just a beautiful memory in my head. Because even though we lost, you you have to be encouraged by those performances. Any guy willing to give all of that up for you, I mean, how can you not support him? But anyway, back to this season, you don't want him doing that because, as I said, it means that the rest of the team isn't going. And we can't win at the highest level if Jimmy is the only one going for us. And though he's great when he's going, that won't be enough. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned that I brought up a positive memory. See, I don't, I'm, I'm not only, I don't do not only bear bad news. Yeah, you won for one today, JJ. We'll give you a pass. It's a wash right now, but I'll just, you know, we still got about 30 minutes left. I'm sure you'll bring up something. Well, let's, let's hope it's not a wash in the same manner that the anonymous scout mentioned of Daniel Feist versus Bam Adebayo. Yeah, but uh, are we, yeah, that he's washed. <laughs> <laughs> now the cold stuff for the game. Sorry to bring more bad news to the table. 42%, 42.9, so 43% from the field for Miami. They allowed Chicago to shoot 53% from the field. The Bulls had 18 turnovers to the Heat's five, and they still lost the game because the difference was mostly the three-pointers. The Bulls made 10 more three-pointers than the Heat. That's a 30-point difference. That's something that's really hard to recover from. And the Bulls did their, did their best to give, you know, to... I, I, I would say it was more, hmm, I would say it was more both teams like trying to give the game away because the Bulls at the beginning, they just, the Bulls cannot take care of the ball at all. However, they, they shut the lights out in that game and the Heat didn't. So, you know, also some co- other cold stuff. I mentioned it in the, in the pre-recording session, Jimmy Butler missing a bunny. To put the heat within two with thirty with thirty five seconds left, that just well, it took the life out of the team, and I I lost my breath in that in the when he missed that because up to that point there was hope. We I really thought that they could make it. You know, the Hawks had just lost that night. The Celtics did too, and that was such a that would have been such a huge game to have in terms of the seeding race implications. And we couldn't get it done. Also, that uh, the fourth quarter was just absolutely atrocious. We got out. We got massively outscored in that fourth quarter. Anything? Any other cold stuff from the game, Kenneth? Other than the fourth quarter, as you mentioned, man. Um, I mean, does Cole even describe the first quarter? I mean, the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter was just. Uh, Ice Age, like you said, man, 20 points. We scored 20 points in that fourth period. Now, don't get me wrong. We only scored 26, 27, and 29 in the three periods leading up to that. However, we only gave up 20, uh, 32, which is still a bit high, and 24 in the third period. Um, But we allowed 34 in the fourth period while only scoring 20 on our own. And, you know, 
that'll get you beat, especially in the days NBA where you said um, you have other teams that are shooting the three at such a high volume and especially and specifically in this Bulls case, hitting the three at a high volume. Yeah, it was it was a tough loss and, you know, tough for the seeding race implications. Do you want to talk about the seeding race now or should we let it for later? I mean, might as well, man. Eventually, at some point, you know, some of these things start to spill over into that whole conversation. So, um, you know, we can touch on it now. Yeah, let's talk about it now. The Miami Heat right now are six in the in the East. They're currently tied with the Hawks for the fifth seed, but the Hawks own the tiebreaker. However, the Hawks, the Heat have a pretty easy. I wouldn't. Well, not. Let's not say easy. But yeah, I was about, I was about to say, about wait, to say wait, a wait a minute now. Wait a minute. <laughs> let's not say easy, but a much less, it's a less difficult schedule than the other guys have. All right, so let's do it like this. Let's look at the Hawks. So tonight, the Hawks have the Blazers. They have the Suns on Wednesday. They have the Pacers on Thursday. The Wizards the following Monday, and then again that following Wednesday. They have the Magic at Thursday, and then the Rockets to close out the season, um, which looks like May the 16th. Yeah. Now, if you now go, if back, you go to back to us, us we have the maps on Tuesday. See, there you go. There you go. You're already talking that. You're already talking that yang yang that I don't like. Um, I'm the Wolves on Friday. <laughs> the, <laughs> right. The, but is, is that an easy game, though, JJ? Like, you want to say that's an easy game, but based on the road trip a couple of weeks ago, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's um, in Miami, and I know Jimmy is pissed. Absolutely. You Well, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking out of the side of my neck, but. With the loss against Minnesota, the way that the Bulls game ended, um, the 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 business like approach that they've taken in the three games since, um, you feel like they're going to come out and do the same thing to the Timberwolves that they were able to do to the Hornets and the Cavaliers this weekend. Um, I mean, we owed them that because, like I said, that that loss in Minnesota a week or so ago was just embarrassing. Um, but to tie off the schedule. We have the Mavericks, as you stated, on Tuesday. The Timberwolves Friday. We have the Celtics twice. Once next Sunday in the primetime game at 1 p.m. And then the following Tuesday at 7. The 76ers the following Thursday after that Tuesday, just a day or so later. Then we have the Bucks the day before the season ends on Saturday, May the 15th. And, yeah, we get to close out the season with the cherry on top of it all with the Pistons on May the 16th. However... You know, in the last game of the season, they know they're not going to play basketball professionally in an organized manner like this again for four months. They're going to give you their best effort, you'd imagine. So I just, to be honest, man, it's a pretty hard schedule if you want to take it all into consideration. And I say that because when you look at the Mavericks, when you look at the Celtics, although they're struggling, when you look at the 76ers and when you look at the Bucks, you're talking about one, two, three, four teams that not only are going to be in the playoffs, you'd imagine, but could also make a run. Now, the Celtics are struggling right now, so that's a different topic. And, but at their peak, and Tatum their and, and sorry, to, no, you're good. I need to bring this up. Tatum and Brown got hurt last night, right? Um, you know, so you got to keep an eye on that. But we also must be real and you know consider the fact that. If they're right, even if they're not 100% right, they have so much talent. And just those two guys that you mentioned, not to mention Kimball Walker, the Marcus Smarts of the world, um, the Tristan Thomases of, Tristan Thompsons of the world, who's, um, you know, found this double-doubleness again, um, it seems, in the last few games. So you have some guys over there that scare you. So, again, they're not 
playing at their peaks right now, but that they won't be too easy contests either. You just look at the people that are on the Heat schedule and nothing about it says easy. I will say, if the Sixers have the one seed or just simply locked into the two seed by the 13th, I think they'll be resting, guys. They don't. I don't think they'll be taking any chances, especially with Embiid, who already suffered suffered like two injuries this season. Ben, you know, he's more durable, but I I don't think they'll be taking a lot of chances. Same with the Bucks, Giannis. You know, he came yesterday. He was he that was that was a game I really liked. That game was that game reminded me why I just love watching NBA basketball so much. That game between the Bucks and the Nets that was fun as heck, and he had forty nine. However, he had just come off a sprained ankle. I don't think the Bucks also want to risk it. I think they're firmly locked into that third seed unless the Nets or the Sixers start falling. So I think that those there's a possibility that those two teams, when we face them, they might be resting starters. Maybe not the Bucks because the but we as it's well documented, the Bucks don't like us for what we did right, to them. Right. Well, well, last Philly, season. Philly. I was about to say, Philly doesn't necessarily care for us, and I also offered this. There are only three games that separate Milwaukee and Philadelphia for the top seed and third seed or whatever. And as you mentioned, at that point, the teams are locked in. They may decide to rest people. However, let's just lose our number of games left. So let's say it's about six, seven, or eight games left for every team. With six, seven, or eight games left and three games separate you, man, there's still a chance that you can make some progress. And if moving up or seed or so – you know, means that you don't have to face us so you don't have to face Boston or, you know what I mean, whoever they're playing. Because I'm going to be honest, nobody wants to play Washington right now. Not even me. I don't not, I don't want to don't want to play Washington right now. I'm scary. That, that's scary. Um, that's, that's why I am so adamant about avoiding the playing because absolutely. you once mentioned the randomness of it. Imagine getting the seventh seed and just losing because the Wizards are on that. An incredible hot streak right now. Listen, man, all season long, think about it. You have Bradley Bill and you have Russell Westbrook. I don't care what you have around them. When these guys or when those guys are playing at their peaks, they they have no choice but to be a formidable team. You don't want to put a categorization on it, a relative categorization, like a good team, a great team. But they have no choice but to be formidable. And they finally figured it out together. Um, and again, you hear this cliche saying all the time, we're peaking at the right time. We're figuring it out at the right time. We're playing our basket, best basketball late in the season, which is the right time. And it's literally the personification of Washington right now. So as stated, man, nobody wants to see them. And if those top three teams can, you know, make up a game or so and move up uh, and kind of, you know, joust a little bit for position, a better opposition in the first round, then I think that's what they're going to do. So I can't be so sure or as sure as you are. Um, that we're going to see rested teams, man. I'm just – I'm preparing to see the full thing in every game. And if nothing else, because it's Miami and everybody hates Miami. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to bring this up one last time. You know, the season ends on the 16th, and our game against the Bucs is on the 15th. By then, you know, this is this is my I, – what I think. I think, you know – by then, most teams are already locked into their positions. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think the Bucks are as concentrated. Well, you know, they are... By that point, I think it will be... Everything will be a wash. Except, except for the guy, for the teams from four to... 
seven who are all who all have a possibility of having home court advantage in the first round because the Celtics they still have a slight chance of catching the four seed, but the Knicks are playing really well right now. The Heat don't have an, an a necessarily tough schedule. I I would I I don't see it as easy, you know, as we we, we back on that. There, there, there you go. There you go. Don't you don't, put that on me. Don't put that evil well, on me, Ricky I'm Bobby. Not, I'm not. I'm not jinxing the team, but I see it as a manageable schedule. Let's let's say it's man. It's a manageable schedule. We can agree that. We can agree that it's not hard. It's not. Ne- it's not necessarily oh super tough. We're not going to face a tougher stretch of games all season, but it's not easy. So we can we can meet and agree there. We'll live on manageable. Um, this is my concluding point there. Right now, you have Milwaukee at three. Right now, you have Miami at six. What that means is Philly will play whoever the eighth seed eventually is. Brooklyn will play whoever the seventh seed eventually is. And Milwaukee will play, guess who? Us. I promise you. I promise you. If there's anything they can do, if there's anything that they can do, excuse me, to avoid us early, they will do it. I promise you that. Yeah, I think I agree with that point. They... Obviously, they came out of that playoff loss very. It was a very disappointing loss. I mean, for in for a team that had such a great regular season to lose in that fashion, and it's obviously a a a tough. Every any time you you go up against that team, especially against us, we, you know the the Miami Heat are are not a necessarily well liked team amongst other fan bases. We work harder than anybody, though, bro. That's why nobody wants to see us because when we're right um, and when we're going um, and when we're disciplined and playing how we should play on both ends, nobody's going to outwork us, and that's the thing. Talent, and, and I'll use the Brooklyn and Milwaukee game from yesterday, talent will win out most times, which is why even though they only won by three, you need 49 points from Giannis to beat um, the Rockets or whatever. I mean, to beat the Brooklyn Nets or whatever. I don't know why I'm thinking Rockets. It must be the James Harden of it all. But um, to beat the Nets or whatever, and talent most of the time will win out. However, that logic doesn't apply versus Miami because Miami's willing to outwork you. Like, you, the hustle plays or the extra plays, we expect that. They are extra. They are hustle. They are intangibles for everybody else but their necessities when you play in Miami and that's what separates them and every team isn't willing to go that far but they know that Miami's willing to go that far and here's the thing if you really look at it our talent isn't really that far off of any of those teams if you line any team up guy for guy even though they might be better you won't look at the guy we can put beside them and say "Mm, I'm taking him head over shoulders you might take the other guy but you can look at the guy that Miami can stack up beside him and be like, yo, it's not that far off. Like, I mean, you take any team's number one and line them up beside Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that guy might be a better scorer, but he doesn't do everything else better than Jimmy Butler. You take any team's number two and line him up beside Bam. Yeah, that guy might be a better scorer, but I promise you he doesn't do everything else better than Bam. You can take any team's number three and line him up beside a different number of guys from Miami. And yeah, that's player might be a better player but I tell you what he doesn't have Duncan's gravity and you know that all means something so or Goran's toughness to- uh, we'll see and and that's something else we're going to touch on please don't let me forget that because we got to show the dragon some love and I've been harping on the point that I'm going I'm talking about for the last few weeks but it really showed itself um over this past weekend and Sunday in Charlotte specifically but yeah man to wrap a bow around that last one it's like 
the intangibles and the natural, you know, the natural grittiness of Miami Heat basketball, the Miami Heat team and their players, no other team wants to face that. And especially when the talent, the gap between the actual talent isn't that far, which is another reason why we've been so upset at the inconsistency this year. Because it's like, yo, if you look at the guys we got, we got some talented ball players. They just don't come to play every night. Because if they came to play every night, we should be, our win record should be 10 more games bigger or 10 games deeper. But they just don't come to play every night. But the talent, JJ, the talent is there. The talent is absolutely there. I agree with that point. To wrap up the seeding race, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk about our good old friends over at Madison Square Garden who are the fourth seed and we still have a chance of catching. You want to listen to their next three or so games? They've got the Nuggets on Wednesday. The Knicks, that is. Mm -hmm. Then, on Friday, they have the Suns. And, mm -hmm. and keep in mind, this is, these are all away games. Absolutely. I'm waiting for you to get to the fourth one, and then I'm going to put a pin in it real quick, because that's important. They got the Clippers on Sunday at L.A. So they go from Denver, Phoenix, to L.A., and the Clippers are playing some really good basketball lately. Absolutely, and Kawhi's back. And on Tuesday, they wrap up the road trip. With the pissed-off LeBron and the Lakers. Exactly. So... so Let's let's just. I want you to finish the schedule, but let's just look at that really quick, JJ. So, oh, and, and and you know, this is the last one. Not to mention, they go back on Thursday to New York, and they face. You know, the Spurs have not been that great this season, but they are fighting for a playing spot. We can actually, you know what? Let's just finish it. As you said, they have the Spurs, who aren't bad. They can score points, and they have stars, so they can beat you. Um, the Hornets, as we just faced them last night. We know that they can fill it up. I didn't mean to take over your segment here, but I got no, no. excited. Um, the Hornets, we know, that, right, we know that they can fill it up. And although the Knicks are a defensive team, they want to stop you. The Hornets can score 120 points on you with their eyes closed. So that's not going to be an easy game. And they finish off with the Celtics, as we've discussed, who even though aren't playing at their peaks right now anywhere near it, they have so much talent that you can't ever go into the game thinking that it's won. And I'll put a... Uh, Pinning that one by saying they were down all of the points to the Spurs early just a day or so ago until Jason Tatum proceeded to score 60 and lead them to a win. And those two teams, the Hornets and the Celtics, they have a reason to play hard that deep into the season. They're fighting. Go. They're they fighting for seeding. Anybody. So the Knicks, they unless they continue play, unless Julius Randle continues playing at just an absolutely absurd level. They could fall. They could drop a few games, and the Heat schedule, who I who I believe have the much more favorable schedule compared to the Knicks, that could make for a pretty interesting race to the fourth seed. And we we actually forgot to mention the fact that you know, of course, we record on Monday, so this is Monday here. They have the Grizzlies tonight, which isn't an easy game. Exactly. So if you're looking at it, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more games, and to be quite honest with you. Um, I could, I could see them losing. I could honestly see them losing all eight games. I don't think they would, but it's not unfathomable that they lose all they eight could, games. They could lose five or six of those games. At best, I think they go four and four. At best. 
that, that I, think, I think that that would be pretty reasonable. They're playing hundred percent. I think the Nuggets is a loss. Go ahead. Sorry. Again, they're playing really good basketball right now. But right, right. I think the the road trip. There are some pretty tough games in there that it's, you're just gonna not gonna be able to win. As you hint on it, man, it's a road trip, and then you just look at the matchups, and that's why I hinted on the way that they play the game. If they are, if you are a team where their best players match up well with your best players, then you have a problem. But if you are a team where your best players aren't in the same positions of their best players, which will be, I would say, their forward spots, um, then you have a chance. Um, he doesn't – so if you look at Randall, he doesn't match up well with Jokic. He's not big enough. Um, even though Jokic doesn't match up well with him on the offensive side either, somebody has to guard somebody. So Can you just I throw Aaron Gordon? They got to throw Aaron Gordon at him, Adam. Right, and he's going to beef Aaron Gordon. I will give you that. Aaron Gordon is athletic enough to stick with him, but if Randall decides to take him in the post, he's going to score all day long. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so if you look at the Grizzlies, let's just say they get that win. So that's 1-0. and I think they'll lose to the Nuggets. That's 1-1. One and one. I think they lose to the Suns. That's 1-2. and two. I think they lose to the Clippers. That's 1-3. and three. Um, I honestly think they lose to the Lakers. Let's just say with the way the Lakers are playing, they win. So that's 2-3. and three. Okay, yeah, I, I, say I, I'll, go I'll push back on. I'll push back on that. I think the Lakers, they're just, they are. I mean, you saw LeBron's quote the, last night that he he you know after advocating for a for a, they're thinking that the plane was a good idea a couple of months now ago. He's all, now he's all that's LeBron now, man. That's, now he's all upset about yeah being because he's gonna because he, he he has a chance to miss. That's why. And full disclosure, man, I won't hide it. I'm a LeBroniac. Um, I mean, oh me too. Uh, I love. Uh, he's my favorite athlete. But yeah, sometimes exactly. I, I don't know what gets into him. That's, I don't know. What are you doing? Entitled, man. He's LeBron. He feels like he can say what he wants and there be no repercussions, plain and simple. And I take it all the way back to the finals when he was with us. And was he with us or was he with Cleveland? Either way, it was around that time where he had lost. And in the, in the press conference, he says, look, man, I'm going to go back to my million-dollar mansion. All y'all can go back to your sad little lives and keep following me and watch what I do. I mean, like, there's certain times – well, that was 2011. Yeah, even okay. So he was with us. So even Braun put his foot in his mouth. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, man, I agree with you there too. I was just trying to be fair. But I tell you what, let's do it this way. Let's say that's a loss too. So if you look at the Grizz, that's one and zero. Oh, then we said the Nugs, that's one and one. The Suns, one and two. Clippers, one and three. Lakers, one and four. Let's give them a win against the Spurs. That's two and four. Um, let's split them with the Hornets and Celtics. Give them a win versus the Hornets, which is three and four, and then give them a loss versus the Celtics, which is three and five. Um, looking at that, three and five right now to close the season would put them at 39 and 33, right? So let's put a pin in that, 39 and 33. Let's also do ours. So, okay, let's be fair. The Mavericks... Let's say we lose to the Mavericks, 0-1-1. Let's say we beat the Timberwolves, that's 1-1. Let's say we split with the Celtics, that's 2-2. Two two. Let's say the 76ers are resting people, that's 3-2. Let's say we and lose you know, to the And you know, you know that Jimmy likes to bring it against his former teams. Absolutely, always. That's why I said that, and that's another reason why I gave us that one. We're three and two. Let's say we lose to the Bucks. We're three and three, and I'm just being fair because, as we've said, the Bucks don't like us, and they're always going to try to play balls to the wall against us. That's three and three, and then you have the Pistons. We're going to say we win that one. So that's four and three over the last seven games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Four and three. So, so we did go back to, go back to 
39 and 33. Ah, ah, ah. We, own, we own the tiebreaker over the Knicks. Because uh-huh. we, we, beat, uh-huh. we, I think we swept the season series against them. Now you see what I'm saying, JJ? That was my whole point, though. And that was the whole thing with the Bucks and everybody else. We're not the only ones, even though it's so only seven games left, man, there's still moves to be made because, and I was looking at the schedule last night, and I say that because we usually play Charlotte. It seems like we usually play Charlotte and Washington more than anybody else. And I think they balanced the schedules a bit more this season with the way that COVID was going and, you know, the dual back-to-backs versus certain teams. But um, the schedules coming down the stretch, man, I, I would dare to say they're probably the most competitive they've been in years. Um, and you have some real movement that's going to take place in this last seven to nine games. And that would be the only thing I focus on, and especially with our earlier conversation about Milwaukee and Philly resting players down the stretch. Yeah, I think that seating race is going to be fun. And we didn't touch on the Hawks, but we gotta we gotta touch on our on this week's games. I I believe next week we're going to do a much more detailed discussion on the on the seating race because I think by next week we'll have a clearer picture on how it will look. Absolutely, like in the end. maybe next week we'll focus on seating and all NBA games. We'll take the first fifteen minutes or so and recap the week quickly, and then spend the rest of the time focusing on the NBA awards and the seating games, maybe. Yeah, that that sounds like a plan. So stick around, listeners, for that. Hey, now let's move, you know how we do. Let's move on to the Heat and Spurs game. The Heat won one sixteen to one eleven. It was a pretty was a pretty good game to watch. It was a pretty good game to watch. That's there's a difference between the team having a although the Heat played really well. It was a good game to watch, but it was pretty stressful because you know came down a bit down to there to we only won by five and you know. But the Heat, they took control, particularly that sec- that third quarter, they played pretty well. But they got outscored again in the fourth quarter, albeit by three points. But still, the Spurs hung up 37 on us in the fourth quarter. Kenneth, what, what, you, what you saw in this game? What, what was your main takeaway? When talking about the Spurs, sorry about that, man. I wanted to get some stats pulled up because I wanted to make a specific point, as you mentioned, um, about the trends in that game. That was Spo's 600th win. Got to note that, by the way. Um, Congrats to him. Absolutely. Fun fact. And he did it against Uh, Greg Popovich. Right, which Greg Popovich, I think he has something like 1,308 career wins. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, Spo Spo was a great coach and recognized by players around the league and different coaches as as a great coach, even if fans and pundits and other people, other fans of other teams don't want to admit it. He's a great coach, and he only has 600 compared to Pop's 1308. I think that's the specific number, but either way, I know he more than double Spo's wins. Pop's Um, been around forever, too. And yeah, those, he has, he has. And he, but, you know, he's he's an all-time coach too. He's done a lot of winning too, though, bro. Like that's, you know what I mean. There are a lot of guys that have been around forever, but he's done a lot of winning. What was it? The Spurs had some crazy streak about having fifty or more wins, excluding the lockout, the lockout season for around. Absolutely, I think what was their record that was broken in the last year? Or so I think they had eleven straight years of playoff appearances. Yeah, and they like, missed I, the playoffs last year. Right, right. So, so you know, you know, they, no, they had they had, I, I, they had twenty straight years. Oh, it was twenty straight years. Oh, I'm sorry for shortchanging you, Pop. We're not worried. They do forgive me, but that's greatness, man. That's excellence. Even eleven straight years would have been excellence. But you corrected me, and 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 I believe you. That's excellence, bro. You who does that? 
that's that's just an an outstanding organization. They're like they are all right. Well, well, you know, in terms of winning, they're the Patriots of the NBA. They're they're like absolutely, absolutely. Um, now to go back to that game specifically, man. Um, they out rebounded us, of course. Um, forty eight to forty. And here's my thing with the Spurs, man. If the Spurs took more three-point shots, they would probably beat us. But they just don't take enough three-point shots. So that's something that I think we have to – we definitely have to keep in mind heading into the postseason. We can't allow teams to beat us from three because that would be my main takeaway from that game. If the Spurs took more three-point shots than they actually take per game, and I think they rank last, but just for example here, they took 25 no, we took, last, last. we took 25. They took 32. Oh no, oh, no, no, I'm saying they took 32, right. If, I mean, we took 25, I'm sorry. If they took more three-pointers versus us, I think they would have won, but they don't take enough to account for their lack of efficiency there, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's like, it's like when, you're, when you're shooting darts on a board. You're, right, if, right. If you, you have, have to get up as dart, many dots as you can, exactly. If you have a limited darts, you're eventually going to hit some of them. You just got to keep shooting. I and, I wanted to mention something from this game. The bench had 36 points. All of them came from Dwayne Detman or and Goran Dragic. So Andre Godala had zero points. You know, again. I know Iggy's game is not scoring at this point in his career. Right, he's right. he's not gonna give you if he gives you more than ten points, then you celebrate it. But I just I, now I want to put it. I want to put a pin in that. I I I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let you do that. I don't think I don't think that's because he can't though. No, that's not his role. Right. I think that he. I think that he loves the fact that he can live in and excel in a specific role. And I'm, and I'm pulling up the, I'm pulling up the numbers here so I can show you because I'm a reference a specific game. Um, it was actually a recent game where we didn't have all of the guys. Yeah. If you go back to the Houston win from the 19th of April, where he played 28 minutes, which was, let me see, just looking at the game log. Yep. By far, I want to say, well, he had a 27, and 27 minutes and 42 seconds versus Brooklyn um, earlier in the year, back in January. But yeah, if you look at his game log, the 28 minutes and 23 seconds he played versus Houston on the 19th of April were the most minutes he's played this season. Um, He had 16 points, um, six rebounds, and seven assists on 57% shooting from three, that's four or seven, and 54% shooting from the field. I said that to say, if that was his role, if we needed him to score more, I think he could. So, I, But I do agree with their overall point. I just want to comment because I think Iggy um, on that bench, as I've been saying since he got here, even if he doesn't play a lot during the regular season, his value is going to come up in the postseason. But I think Iggy off that bench and a reason that starting lineup, they're going to be invaluable for us moving forward. But I just didn't want to let you do that to Iggy was the grand no, point because he can I, score I if he needs to. <laughs> I didn't mean no disrespect. I didn't mean any really It's disrespect. all good. It's all good. I've just seen However, people disrespecting Iggy all year long, man. All year hey, long, JJ. Hey, I've been giving Iggy flowers all year long, particularly for his hands and his defense. Oh, without a doubt. Because that's why he's there, though. That's why he's there. We can agree there. He's there for that. But what I wanted to say, he scored 16 in that game, but 
you're not going to get that. If you ask him for that every game, I don't think he can give it to you. Because at this stage of his career, he, he, you know, he's, he's not a 16 points per game guy unless he shoots a lot. But what he excels at, particularly for this team, is to be a, a passer and a defender. More like a reduced role for what he had in Golden State. And, and it allows him to be more of a specialist, more of a, a defensive and playmaking specialist, if that, if that makes sense. Well, no, it makes a ton of sense. But here's what I would say to that again, too, and not to counter you as much. But no, that's good for at, discussion. If you look at that game um, back on the 19th, look who we didn't have in the lineup. So we didn't have Jimmy, we didn't have Bam, and we didn't have Tyler Hero. Okay, who's, okay. Who's still out. Right. What that means is we don't have three guys who absolutely need the paint to do what they do. Even if their shot doesn't finish in the paint, they need that free reign of the paint to be their best selves. If you look at the Golden State Warriors with Iggy, they needed that paint to be their best selves, even though most of Clay's shots, most of KD, well, half of KD's shots and most of Steph's shots come outside of the paint. They have to travel through the paint in order to get those open shots where they get them. So my thing has been Iggy right now, I think he could get you 12 a game if that's what you needed him to. However, he needs to have semi-free reign over that painted area as well. And in the certain positions or teams or roles that he's been on, it's more conducive, I'll say. not I won't say valuable because if you need it, he can give it to you. But it's more conducive in those moments for him to allow others to have the paint. So I disagree with you there. And the only reason I am because I feel as though there's going to be a game where we need him to score 10 for us. And I think he'll be able to do it. But I also think we'll put him in a position to be able to get that done for us. But to your point, I agree. You had Deadman Duncan and Gorn doing work, 18 and 18. They were the guys that did it for us. Yeah. And, you know, Jimmy and Bam, they, you know, Jimmy played outstanding, 29 points, eight rebounds, six assists, one steal. Who, by the way, Jimmy this week became the second player in NBA history to have, I believe it was, I think it was, what, two, 100 steals mm-hmm. for eight, eight straight years. So congrats to him. Defensive savant, defensive savant. So, and, you know, it wasn't in this game. I think it was last night. Yep, there was this interesting stat. There was this interesting stat. Um, Cooper Moorhead, he's the Heat's content guy. Um, let me see. I'm looking for it here. Jimmy Butler almost has as many steals, 100, as he does turnovers this season, 101. So Jimmy has 100 steals and only 101 turnovers. That's, that's the mark of an efficient player and a winning player. Come on, man. If I could get five guys, if I could get five guys like that, who cares what else they can do? I'm joking, but I, still, you know what I mean. I remember when, I remember when Jimmy before he came to Miami, he was seen as a cancer and as a guy who couldn't win. And you know, it's it's cool to see how the perception has changed around him. But that finals run did wonders for the public perception perception around Jimmy Butler. Absolutely, and my thing with that is, if you knew what you were looking at, you never had that opinion because based on oh, everything. No. Right, based on every, and I'm not saying you did. I was just saying, you, as you said, that was just quote fingers, the word. But just to you know, kind of touch on that. Look, man, Wiggins, his points were valid. Like Cat has gotten all the praise. Cat gets 
all of this. And, uh, and I like that this year, you know, people have kind of been ignoring him and not paying him any attention because that's what they deserve down there in Minnesota for as bad as they've been. And I know he was hurt and he's dealt with a lot, but he's still a lauded basketball player who's looked to to be a game changer. And if you're a game changer, like Cat is supposed to be, your team shouldn't be that bad. Now, again, they've improved as he's come back and played regularly. But even before this year, they've been bad. So I said that to say, for a guy who got as much praise, who got the money, who, you know, was the face of the franchise, and then for Wiggins, who was supposed to be Maple Jordan, you know, the next reincarnation, um, they don't take it seriously enough, man. And Jimmy's whole problem was, if you don't want to win as much as I do, then I have a problem with that. And I'm not mad at that. Because Jimmy's famous thing is, listen, you got the talent. You got all of the talent, but won't work. I didn't have the talent. I worked hard to get here. Now, don't you get me wrong. Jimmy, Jimmy's very talented. He's 6'7", seven, seven. and well, he has cat, to be, quick, right, he has cat quick resources. I mean, he's still in the top 3% of specimens ever created or placed on Earth. So let's not get it confused. But relative, You have to be incredibly talented to to play in the NBA. To absolutely. The best athletes in the world. The NBA are the best athletes in the world. So it's relative, though. Compared to everybody else, Jimmy didn't have the pedigree. Jimmy didn't have the freaky athleticism at first. He's became a more freaky athlete because that's something that sneaks up on people, how good of an athlete Jimmy actually is. But the guy can float. Um, I mean, but he didn't have all of that innately. He had to develop that, JJ. That's the point. You're talking about two guys and Wiggins and Cat who just woke up, got out of the bed with immense talent. You know what I mean? And they won't work. They wouldn't work. And that's his problem. So I'm not necessarily, if you knew what you were looking at, the whole cancer thing was baloney. You just wanted something to say and complain about, or you just didn't like Jimmy. Because if you're mad at a guy who wants to win, you, you really don't like basketball. That was the first take talking point. Absolutely. Absolutely. See how you got me a little fired up. Don't be talking about Jimbo. Not around me. Oh, no. I love Jimmy, too. But I was going to say that I wanted to mention, because that's how a lot of people, casual fans, you know, people that didn't watch him closely viewed him. I saw him as a guy that played excellent defense, and he wanted to win really badly. As, as much, you know, he's not the same caliber player as the great Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, but those guys were freaks. They wanted to win. They wanted to win at all costs. Oh, he has their mentality. He doesn't have their physical abilities or their abilities on the basketball court as far as the way they're able to move and their particular skills. But um, from a mentality perspective, there probably isn't a guy more like them than Jimmy. Exactly. Anyway, the hot stuff for the Heat Spurs game, 50% from the field for Miami. Jimmy Butler playing outstanding basketball. Dwayne Detman continuing his excellent week of play. And Goran Dragic, too. Goran had a pretty... You know, Goran, Dwayne, and Kendrick, they had a really, really solid week of play for the Heat, which contributed to us having a really good record this week. You know, when... when You know, right now we're in the... I I, I don't, I don't want to crap on Kendrick Nunn's party. But right now... Let's hope that it, that it extends into the playoffs. Right now, we're in the feast section of Kendrick Nunn. So let's hope that the famine comes or just doesn't come. And he simply, because what I've noticed, he's been really decisive. He does, you know that sometimes when Kendrick catches the ball and he's going to shoot, he, he's, he thinks about it for like a second. At least, at least this week, I saw him just let it go. 
you know, the horse game, there was a play where he made a, a mistake and they and it was like it was accentuated because this entire week he has been playing really solid basketball. So I gotta give Kendrick Nunn his flowers for the way he's played this week. For me, man, um with K Nunn it's always a thing of opportunity. This doesn't surprise me. Two months ago, three months ago, even, um, as we all know, uh, also write. Um, I'm a site expert at allyoucanheat.com. Check me out when you have a chance. Shameless plug. But there's no but, there's no such thing as a shameless plug. Absolutely, I man. Mean, it was just all, content, all, you know, to, we to all, fill we the all, space. We're all out here. Absolutely. Um, I wrote it two and three months ago, man. Um, not only should we have not traded Kendrick Nunn back then at the deadline, but we should have been talking about how we're going to keep him um, and all of that jazz. And I say that to say it's an opportunity thing with him, man. And if you look at last season, he wasn't – I don't even want to say he wasn't this guy. Maybe it wasn't as, as high a volume, but from an effectiveness and an efficiency perspective, he was this guy. It's just that when the you know COVID situation and the bubble and – the volatility he, with his situation and going back for the a, funeral. A, he had everything a family he had going too. on. Right. That, that's why I said I think his uncle's funeral. I think it was his uncle. Don't 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 hold me to that. I want to say that. Um, but I'm not sure. But I know it was a family member's death or whatever. Um, just all the volatility there, man, it kind of threw him off. And if you'll notice, that's the same thing that happened this season when Ola D and everybody's saying he got benched for when Ola Deep. It just kind of happened simultaneously. Kendrick Nunn had a hip injury that also coincided with Oladipo's arrival. Now, further that beyond that, um, perhaps as Kendrick Nunn started to get healthier, was was Spo leaning more towards Depot in those situations? Yes, but Kendrick Nunn didn't get quote unquote benched for Oladipo as much as he was hurt. And when Oladipo got here, he was just inserted into the lineup, and Spo rolled with that. Um, which was an inconsistency from this year in the opportunity from Kendrick Nunn. But more often than not, since Kendrick has been in Miami, when he's gotten the consistent opportunity that he's deserved, and rightfully so, um, he's produced. So I don't see this as being any different than what he's always done. I just think people look at things relative to how they feel in that moment. Because if we're being honest, I would say, hmm, from the beginning of the bubble, probably up until mm, two and a half months ago, you still had the majority of people out here saying trade Kendrick Nunn. I didn't advocate for for a Kendrick Nunn trade, you know, unless it was for somebody that I truly believe could put us over the top. Oladipo. Right, right. I once I never thought Oladipo was that guy. Oladipo could make this really bad, really, really but I think he can make us better, especially on the defensive end with his point of attack defense on quick guards. But I think that he did a good did well with sticking with him on sticking with him and not trading him for Oladipo. They got Oladipo for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, a song, man, a song. My thing with none wasn't that I advocated for him to be traded. I simply pointed to the fact that listen. If the Miami Heat are going to trade any of the three guys we've been talking about a lot, and, you know, back during those times and leading up to this season, whatever, whatever, the offseason and before this season's trade deadline, my thought was 
if they were going to move anybody, it would have been Kendrick Nunn. They would have held on to Tyler and they would have held on to Duncan. That's just was that was just my feeling. But no, I wasn't advocating to trade Kendrick Nunn either. And to touch on the Victor Oladipo situation, that was my point there too. I was excited when we got him and I hope we can get him back because as you said, he can help us, especially on defense. But my thing was never to give up assets for Depot. And what we've seen since he's been here is exactly why we couldn't give up assets because if we give up assets, then we no longer have those assets. Let's say he comes to us and he, oh, has a non-contact injury, which just so happened to happen, and he misses time. So then we're out of the assets, and we're also out of the guy that we use the assets for. It was always just too risky of a proposition to trade real resources. And as you mentioned, we didn't. So it was a decent move. Now, again, do I hope we get Depot back? Yes. But I also hope this both finds it in itself to go with the guy who's been producing for us while Depot was out and work Depot into that second unit somehow. Yeah, I think this is going to present an interesting dilemma for Spo, particularly the, the starting backcourt. Duncan, I think he's a, is a lock for Absolutely. the start. The, 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 the Duncan helps Jimmy and Bam be able to do what they do. Again, back, not to reiterate because we've already touched on it, but that gravity, even if he's not hitting shots, his gravity allows everybody else to hit shots, or at least to have the space to have the opportunity. So Duncan is a lock. So that leaves Kendrick and, and Oladipo to fight over that point guard spot, which Oladipo, you know, he's on offense. He wasn't playing pretty well because he was getting acclimated to the heat st system and, and such. He's, he's better on the defensive end than Kendrick. But Kendrick, this week in particular, and, you know, the past couple of games actually he has been contributing r real meaning meaningful minutes on the offensive end so i think the coaching staff is going to have an honest sit down and say and absolutely consider the possibility of bringing oladipo off the bench when way if if he comes back too where are the which is something else to talk about which is another little topic to touch on a little here bit here later yeah, let's talk about it now because we're the one, one uh, we're the hour and time flies when you're having fun, JJ. I, I tell oh, you, yeah. man, we we're at an hour and five minutes every week before I know it, and I'm like, man, I still got you know thousands of things to say. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's one of the things that when you that when you do something you love, things just fly by. So let's talk, let's touch upon really quickly on the Oladipo thing. Do you think he's coming back? I, you know, I try to be optimistic, so I. I'm going to hold out hope until the very last day of the regular season. Yeah, I think he's going to come back too. And I say that because if there was something season ending or if it was something major and catastrophic, we would already know right now, just based on history and based on everything we've seen, um, because Spo, even though he's refused to say anything, he did say something the other day, which was, you know, he gave a small progress report. He wouldn't say anything definitive, but he did say that he's, in, 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 in so many words, he's leaning towards ramping back up at the very least. He didn't and give Gore, us anything to, anything to go ahead. Goran, Goran mentioned something. He said, when Depot comes back. So they're, at least the guys on the team are pretty certain that he's going to come back. Right, because they know. Oh, they're all still talking to him. They talk every day like nothing has changed. They're just keeping us in the dark. But that goes towards everything I was about to say. All of this is just based on Depot, which also makes me quickly, which makes me lean towards the fact that they're going to bring him back in the offseason. But I think they're going to work out something that, 
you know, favors both sides. A nice prove-it deal where the Heat aren't putting themselves all the way out there, but where he still feels compensated. So not to go too deep on that, because I'm sure we'll talk that into a hole as the offseason starts to progress. But I do think he'll come back because it's been more of a pain tolerance thing for him, man. If you go back to the recent history of the league, and I think we've touched on this a bit in recent episodes, but if we haven't or have, look at Kawhi Leonard's situation and what he went through in San Antonio with him, Uncle Dennis, and the Spurs. Basically, that situation was him and his camp thought that there was something different or a different way to approach managing his injury. Whereas the Spurs said, hey, man, our medical staff and our medical people are saying, you're ready to go. And that wasn't the case. And I think Oladipo has experienced a little bit of that, or he's felt that he's experienced a little bit of that, or either he's just seen that situation take place and, you know, has his best interest in mind, which he should. So he's playing it safe. Again, if it was something catastrophic, we'd already know. And based on all the reports right now, and even, like I said, the small, vague report that Spo gave recently, it's a pain tolerance thing. It's whenever he feels comfortable that he's not going to further damage anything. So he's just resting it, letting the swelling and inflammation probably go down. And I can definitely see him coming back. Also, to quickly wrap up the Oladipo point, they also have to take it really care. I think they're being extra careful with him because I believe that was the need that he got surgery on when he tore his... I forgot what tendon he tore when he went, but it was a pretty bad, it was a really serious injury. Definitely. So I, get, I guess he wants to take it slow because. Which is why, which is why, even though if you read the reports, he could have been cleared from a med because there was no structural damage. He could have, it was a tweak. It was like a, I'm not saying what it was, but what I'm saying is from an injury perspective, you could have likened it to a sprain because based on everything, if he had wanted to, he could have come back a week or two later. Um, if not sooner, it's just when he feels comfortable. And as you mentioned, that was the same leg as the catastrophic injury that he did sustain a few years back. So he probably just has to mentally get comfortable with it so that he feels like he's not damaging it any further. or He doesn't put himself at any risk for another one of those type injuries. And that's exactly the comfort we're speaking of. Yeah. Let's let's wrap up quickly with the heat and the cat, the heat calves and heat Hornets games. Hot stuff for the Heat Cavs game. The Heat won 124 to 107. Hot stuff. Absolutely, man. Hot stuff for basically, the Heat. Basically, uh-huh, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but basically, man, um, because we're getting on a, on the edge of time. Here's the thing. I really want to get to Charlotte. This is what you say about this is what you say about the Cavs. I mean, they allowed, like you said in the uh, in the notes here, they allowed 23 pointers, um, and it was a terrible first quarter, but. After that first period, the Heat did what they were supposed to do. They handled their business. One thing about the Heat that we've noticed, um, they tend, as I mentioned, the Heat will Heat. They play down their competition, um, which was my big takeaway from this weekend, whether you're talking about the Cavs and Charlotte. They they did what they were supposed to do. The Cavs are a bad team, 13th in the conference, as I mentioned, and they came out and they just beat the brakes off of them, and that's what they were supposed to do. And, you know, I don't think there's a lot of – Max Schroes played really well in the Cavs game. Should we, call him the well white, well should we call him the White Wolf or the Winter Soldier? Hey, look, man, you can just call him Bucky, but I call him <laughs> Let's call him Bucky. Let's call him Bucky. <laughs> and, you know, cold stuff for the Heat, 23-pointers allowed, terrible first quarter, 50% from the field for Cleveland. Overall, really nice win for the Heat. Now, going on to the Heat-Hornets game, you really, I'm going to leave the floor for you to you for this one, Ken, because you really want to talk about this game. I did, man. Um, Listen. The Hornets beat us twice this year. They obliterated us from three. I see you, Malik Monk. Um, 
And basically, this was a response game. This was a prove-it game. This was, if you want to look at any game to close the season as a prerequisite playoff game, this was the one because it had direct implications on the seeding situation. That's how the Heat are now in six because they beat the Hornets. Um, And also, man, you look at how they got it done, when they got it done, and where they got it done. As I mentioned, they blew them out. They handled their business against a Hornets team that's not a bad team, not as bad as Cleveland, but the Heat are still better. You look at when they got it done, as I mentioned, it was a moment when they needed to. This was a playoff game for them. It directly impacted their ability to succeed in the playoffs because it increased the likelihood that they'll be in the regular field. Probably takes them out of play in contention, which is a great thing here because we want to avoid that if we can. As we mentioned, the Wizards aren't any punks, and you don't want to see them if you can avoid it. And lastly, um, where they got it done. They got it done on the road, man. They got it done in Charlotte. On the second night of a back-to-back. On the second night of a back-to-back, JJ. Come on now. Come on. That's a really, really cool way to end the week. As we have already discussed, we have the Mavericks on Tuesday, Wolves on Friday, Celtics on Sunday. Quick record prediction, Kenneth. You want just the week or you want the rest of the season? Just the week. Let's just, just keep the it week, at the, the week. week. Yeah. Okay. Just the week. Ah. Uh, uh, okay. You know, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you think about it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say three and three or three and zero. Oh. I believe we can beat the Mavericks. Wow. Wow. I think the Heat have hit their stride. Now I'm setting myself up for a massive disappointment. But I'm going to go, go two on one just to play it safe, man. I think we can beat the Celtics and the Timberwolves. Um, but the Mavericks, man, I I think we can handle them. The Mavericks I think No, as- I think we can beat them. I think we can beat them. However, if there's a team that I think can beat us this week, I think it'll be the Mavericks. I don't think the – because I'm not, as you mentioned, with Jason Tatum and Brown – I'm not sure because Brown was actually just coming back from another injury too. So I'm not sure both of them will be there next Sunday. But if I wanted to say one team that scared me the most, it would probably be the Mavericks this week. Also, we cannot discount the fact that maybe the Wolves, I mean, the Wolves have been playing well recently. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But you as know, I mentioned, and, that, and that's the point I hit on um, since Cat has come back and been more consistently in the lineup off of the injury that kept them out a lot of the season, um, I think it was the risk. Um, they've played consistently better. However, you know what I mean? They, that For them, playing consistently better at that point still doesn't do enough because they suck. Yeah, but the game is in Miami, and Jimmy, I don't think Jimmy is going to let us lose that one. He's going to... No, he's, no. He's gonna I don't give think so a, either. He's going to bust the other guy's asses and tell them they, they will not lose this game. I think they'll probably do it for him because he's, he's going to be really pissed if, if we lose again against the Wolves. I'm going to stick by my 3-0 prediction. The Heat finished the week with a ranking ranked 21st in offensive rating, 8th in defensive rating, 16th in turnovers per game, and 15th in three-pointers made. Kenneth, that was a pretty good podcast episode. Hey, man. We're here every week. I just try to, you know, do my part and be as good as you are, JJ. That's all. Oh, well, that's, that's a really nice compliment. However, we're... I am always still learning and looking to be better. And to you, our lis- to you, our listeners, thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe to our feed, whatever you get your podcast, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. You can also follow me, 
at JJ Rivera NBA and Kenneth, you can follow him at K underscore said S A I D underscore K K W E as in K the what? You can also Q-U-E. listen Q U E Q U E. You can also listen to us on Dash Radio via the Nothing But Net station. So see you next week. Watch the NBA and follow closely this this Eastern Conference playoff seating race because it's gonna be really, really, really cool. Anyway, thank you to our listeners. See you next week. Bye-bye. With the start of the NBA season in full swing, we invite you to come and hashtag PropOp on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. For example, in the NBA, you choose 5 out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points the selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has thousands more guaranteed for the NBA this season. Use promo code JIMMY, that's J-I-M-M-Y, when you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag PropUp today. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.